Welcome to another episode of iBuzz, the animal care and welfare podcast by Animal Concepts and the Practical Animal Welfare Science, the Pause platform. I'm your host, Sabrina Brando, and today I'm delighted to welcome back Professor Emeritus Jan van Hove for the fourth podcast he's doing with us. And if I have to believe it, there are still at least four or five to come. He has so many stories, it's absolutely amazing. And if you haven't listened to the others yet, we will have links with this podcast so you can listen to number one, two, and three, because also the stories really connect. So as always, sit down or have a nice walk or grab some tea or whatever it is you'd love to do when you're listening to a podcast and enjoy all the wonderful stories by Professor Jan van Ho. In my previous presentation, I told you about the founding of the Burgers Through Chimpanzee Colony in Arnhem in the Netherlands. It was quite a thing because I had experienced that it is possible to keep a large community of chimpanzees in captivity. That wasn't done till then because chimpanzees were kept in cages two or three together or even in small groups but not very large communities. And I had learned in the United States studying the chimpanzee colony of the Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico, where they used chimpanzees as experimental animals in the preparation of space travel, that it is possible to form a community of animals that do not know each other, but they will adjust to social life in a group. That was what we did in Arnhem. Chimpanzees were com collected from all over the place, in Europe mostly. Surplus animals in zoos, um, occasional animals from circuses. We had a female which came from holiday on ice and uh, so altogether, there were at one point in 1971, we had 26 chimpanzees, half grown up, um, young, young but independent uh, youngsters, uh, pubers, one would say, and adult females, and three adult males. And these were on one day joined together in the enclosure, in the big enclosure. Um, which is surrounded by a moat. It's a wide island with trees on it, etc. And we thought it must be possible to keep a colony of chimps there. And as it has proved, yes, indeed, it is possible. But we went to, through a time in which we had some problems. We decided to join them all together at once because we reasoned that each of these chimps meets a majority of animals that it doesn't know. So they will all be intimidated and it's probably the best way to start it. Whether that was right, I've now my doubts about it. 
But anyway, that is our reasoning. And indeed, there was great excitement when all these animals came together and they uh, intimidated, they showed bluffing behavior, but they also greeted one another and they embraced one another. So it was really an exploration of uh, social relationships. However, one thing didn't work out as we really hoped, because the three males didn't adjust to one another and they kept fighting and they kept redirecting their aggression to the other group members. And at one point there was a fight between the two males and one of the males was chased into the ditch and couldn't cross it. And uh, because the, the enclosure is surrounded by a moat and the moat has been constructed in a particular way that if the animals drop in and fall in, they have, there's a structure that allows them to uh, scramble back on the, on the island. But anyway, this male chimp was in panic and he drowned. And then we had two chimps left, two, two males left, which weren't quite friendly to one another. So we decided to, to um, place them in, in, in other zoos again. And we were fortunate enough, fortunate enough to find three adult males that had been born in a zoo in Germany and that had grown up together. So they were, so to speak, brethren. And we know that chimpanzees live in a philopatric society where males form the nucleus of the group. Um, so we thought they are brethren, it's a male brotherhood, and they will be able to form the dominant male clique, the nucleus of the group. So we were extremely happy with these three males. And at one point we introduced these three uh, to the group. But I have to tell you, that was long after the previous males that we had to remove had left the group. All this time, and that was about uh, a major part of a year, I forgot now how long it was precisely, um, there were no adult males in our Arnhem colony. There were about 20, uh, 23 animals when the three males had gone. 23 animals, adult females and adolescents uh, composing the group. And what happened? In that male-less society without males, there were the adult females and they started taking over the male role. It was Mama, the eldest and most influential female of the group, that uh, developed into, let's say, the alpha male. She adopted the alpha male role. And the adult males, uh, a function, a group of three to four adult females, became the dominant group in our chimpanzee colony and they formed a coalition together. So we had a group, a colony with a couple of 
pseudo mills. It was a an Amazonic society, so to speak, a completely feministic society. It was remarkable. And Mama and the adult females of the leading clan, they behaved and bluffed and made their impressive displays as real adult tough mills. So we thought, well, this is good because now we are going to join the three males that have been introduced, of, uh, that have been uh, acquired, and they will be introduced into the group. Okay, what happened? Completely contrary to our expectations, the three new males that were brothers, that knew each other from the beginning, they were no party, no match for the adult females in our colony, which in the meantime had become completely convinced that they were the rulers in the colony and that these new males had nothing to say. So I remember vividly the scenes of these early, early days because we had some structure in the inner area, which is a large hall, which uh, with places where they can climb up and set the three males sitting high up in the structure, embracing one another, screaming to the adult females, to the clan that was standing on the gun and jumping up to them where they were sitting high up in the structure and, and, and trying to hit them and to bite them and to grab. We thought, oh gosh, this is completely wrong. This is not a chimp society. This is something completely unnatural. A shimp colony, a shimp population with females that hunt the males? No, this was unnatural. So we decided to separate the males and we went on to a different strategy. We had the leading clan of females removed temporarily they were sitting in their night cages and in the night quarters, and only the younger females and the adolescents in the group. And then we introduced the three males. Now, of course, at that point, the three males got confident and they soon became dominant males again, but in a social unit with no leading adult females. So then we decided, okay, we are now going to introduce each of the females individually, each of these, uh, let's say, these recalcitrant females, we are going to introduce them to the, to the rest of the group, but now the males in charge. And of course, when they became one by one, in successive days, without their female mates, they had to, they were no party for the, for the males. And then the males became dominant again. And gradually, the, new, the, the old clan of females integrated in that group. Oh gosh, what had we done? What had we done? Because of course, we got comments and one of our students said, oh, you've spoiled the whole thing because 
we, you had the uh, really only chance to show that the social structure of a community is a matter of tradition. It is not so that automatically the males are the dominant. This, what we had in Arnhem was a female society, a female-dominated society with leading, fe leading females. If you have the right circumstances, it's not natural that it's not necessary that the males take the leading roles and become the dominant uh, party in the society. We had the chance to show the feminists that were active in the early 70s in our society, to show them right, no, it's a matter of tradition. We were on the point of creating a chimpanzee society with the matriarchy at the head. It's all a matter of culture. Dear feminists told us, you have spoiled, ideologically inflated as you were, you have spoiled one of the nicest experiments that had be, could have been done, creating a female chimpanzee society. Sorry, feminists. Sorry. We spoiled it for you because at the moment, and we are now since 1970, uh, 50 years onwards, we have a male supremacy kind of social grouping, a male chauvinistic clan with adult males that intimidate, that bluff behavior, etc. So that was a natural experiment, which was thrown in our laps, so to speak, to use it. But we spotted. In the end, of course, uh, my brother and I, we were convinced that we had done the right thing in terms of, in our zoo, we presented now a social grouping of sympathy, as you would encounter it in the wild. And I have no doubts. If we had left the males in with the dominant clan of females, I have no doubt that the male chimps, after a while, would have restored their confidence and would have um, been able to uh, become dominant over the females again. Anyway, this was a beautiful experiment. Eventually, and it didn't take long. This group has grown into a most harmonious chimpanzee society. Yes, with macho males in it. But with females, which played our own role in that society and uh, are extremely influential. And I mentioned already uh, the, matriarch, the matriarch of our society, Mama. Mama was an adult female, but no, she was yeah, she was just about adult when she came to Arnhem. And uh, she became, as I told you, the leader of the female clan. But later on, when the group was integrated and the males were integrated, she nevertheless was the matriarch in the group. That is to say, she played an important role in the whole social network. The males who were brethren, so to speak, 
they were not relatives, but they had grown up together. So they were, in fact, a kind of uh, very close relatives. The mills had occasionally also their struggles uh, because even the brethren had their problems with one another, but these were never really serious. Um, we had uh, uh, fights between the the adult females and the and the and the, the adolescents and so on. And Mama played an important role. And a later student of mine, Franz de Waal, who has become world famous because of his fundamental studies he made of this beautiful Arnhem Zoo social colony. Franz de Waal has um, followed these animals during many years and also noted that um, Mama played a, a role of, 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 of mediator in the, in, the, in, the, in the social community. Um, I remember, for instance, when the two males who normally could get on well with one another, although there was a, have been um, episodes when the males battled among one another for who was the dominant one, and that uh, could be rough battles, and then the period of peace, and then uh, one of the other males. So after these males had been introduced, and we had spoiled the beautiful feministic society that we were seemed to be grounding, and feminists were absolutely happy with the fact that we could show that leading roles in society who occupy them, ah, that's a matter of tradition. That's culture. You can change that anyway. See, the Arnhem Zoo chimpanzees, they have a feministic culture. Well, in the end, they hadn't. The Arnhem Zoo became a macho male chimpanzee culture. But between these males, although they were brethren and they could tolerate one another, they could sit in with one another and grooming one another, and they followed one another. They were also always in close company, but nevertheless, they had their rivalry as well. We had several episodes in the history of our colony where a leading male was challenged by an upcoming male and where a arrival of the leading male could in fact form a coalition with other males and in the meantime younger males had grown up in our colony with other males and form a coalition and such coalitions could uh, topple a leading male and deplace him so that there was a new alpha and all this has been studied by a student of mine who first did his PhD with me in Utrecht by studying coalition behavior in crab-eating macaques. And he did his PhD, it was a beautiful PhD. And when we had the chimpanzee colony in Arnhem, I could get a grant for a postdoc to follow the development of the chimpanzee community. 
And Frans de Waal, a young student of mine, he had just taken his PSD and I could offer him this job in the zoo. And he was very glad to accept that. So he remained a member of my research team and could devote all his attention to the Arnhem Zoo Chimpanzee Colony. He did a study on the coalition behavior of the chimpanzees in the group, showing how they, how they, how they uh, exchange, uh, how they, how they form such a coalition in joining up with one another in fights and gradually forming a bond towards an arrival. And Fonzo has published this in a book, his first book, which immediately became a tremendous success. It has been translated in more than, I don't know, a dozen languages or perhaps two dozen, I don't know. Um, and it was called Chimpanzee Politics. And he described in detail two rank reversals in our Arnhem Zoo colony, where a alpha male was put out of his leading alpha role by a coalition of other males. And the interesting thing is that coalition behavior turned out to be a, 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 a highly interesting topic. Because why should two chimpanzees who are not the leading class in the society, which are subdominant, which are subordinate to, a, to an alpha male, why should they join up together and topple that male? Now, the question is rather, why should one of them help the other to become the dominant if he is in a position that he has no chance to become the dominant himself. Say, you have the alpha, there is the rival, which is the beta, and we have the third animal, which is the gamma. But the gamma, the third ranking animal, knows already that the beta animal is far stronger than he is, and he cannot, he is perhaps too young still to beat, to beat up the second male. But why should he join up with the beta to defeat the alpha? Well, it depends if in the rivalry, and although they are, so to speak, brethren between brackets, um, they have their rivalries amongst one another, and one is the dominant. Why should he help another one to become the dominant? Well, if the other one can become the dominant thanks to the help of a supporter, of a coalition partner, then the coalition partner has to have some advantage of helping another one to the dominant position. In other words, it has to be paid back in favors. And that is what Fonzewald showed in his studies, that coalitions depend on favors that you allow to the other ones that help you. 
you are tolerant in certain respects. For instance, you are not sexually jealous, you tolerate that the other one, uh, when there is a, a female anastrus, mates with that female, and although you are the alpha and you could prohibit that, you could prevent that, you never that allowed, because these are the favors that make it rewarding for a helper to put somebody else in charge of the colony. And this, this has been a fundamental study. It has become world famous. Um, it showed also the value of the Arnhem Zoo colony. Um, I remember that Jane Goodall once came to the zoo not long after the family was, uh, the, the colony was formed. And we were very much, uh, very curious to know how she would experience watching the colony and watching the animals. And she testified, well, it is if, if I look to a natural group, I see natural behaviors submissive behaviors, play behaviors, affiliative behaviors. I see rivalry. I see uh, impressive behaviors, displays and all that. Well, it seems that this is a group of animals that is fairly happy, even though they are living in captivity, but they live in their own one might say they live in their own soap opera, their own soap opera. Soap opera. They, um, these animals have no ticks. They have no uh, stereotypical behaviors. Of, of there was one uh, female in the group that uh, didn't adjust. Eventually, she came from holiday on ice, and she was very good in skating. But eventually, she didn't adjust to the group. So she had to remove it. She went to another group in a smaller group. Anyway, um, the Arnhem Zoo chimpanzees, you can say it is a group of happy animals with all the tensions in it occasionally, the rivalries that spice social life. They are the spices of social life. Uh, the little rivalries, the uh, whatever you have. And occasionally there's a, there's a more serious fight. Uh, there is tension in the group, but then there is reconciliation. And here I come to a second subject that was studied in the Arnhem Zoo and was very important. The, um, the colony was founded in 1971. By 1974, it had become a really nice, harmonious social group. And when I say harmonious, I do not mean to say that there were not conflicts, there were no rivalries. It was a social community with all its envy about social relationships and anything, its competition and rivalry. 
But on the whole, it worked harmoniously. And in 1974, um, Franz Loal appeared on the scene. Franz Loal had for years been a student of mine. He had studied coalition behavior in um, a colony that I had at my institute in Utrecht, a colony of crab-eating macaques. And he took his PhD in 1974. And at that point, I could get a postdoc position for my research group, which I had requested to study the social dynamics and the social development of our chimpanzee colony. And von Zwaal had just completed his thesis, and I thought he was the ideal candidate for doing this research. And he has proved indeed the ideal candidate to do that. He has uh, studied the group in a time when he witnessed a rank reversal between the dominant males. As I told you, we had three, a fraternity of three males, which was the leading male clan in the group. There were some upgrowing uh, adolescents, but they didn't play a role of any importance yet. It was three males, A. And one of these males at the time, his name was Jeroen, was the undisputed alpha. And there were two other males, but during the period that Franz watched this colony, there became a uh, period of tension between the males because the second ranking males wanted to topple the alpha male. And in fact, he succeeded in that with the help of the third male in the male, in the male function, and that was um, uh, the, let's, let's call him the gamma male. And the two joined up and formed a coalition that defeated Jeroen, the alpha male. Uh, after the males had been replaced in the colony, and we had this brotherhood of three males that had known each other from early youth, there was a natural situation in the group a male clan in the center and a group of females and uh, half grown ups around it. A group of altogether uh, 36 animals, quite a big group. And at the time I had a student, his name was Franz Zewaal. He would later become world famous. He had done a PhD with me and he had studied coalition behavior in crab-eating macaques. You have to realize that uh, coalition behavior at the time was something extremely new. When we studied primates, we looked at dominance hierarchies and so on, but we noticed in our crab-eating macaque groups that, the, that sometimes coalitions were formed. Animals joined up with others to defeat a particular opponent. How are these coalitions formed? Now, that's a very fascinating field. 
because we do form coalitions all along in our politics, in our commercial behavior, in everything. We join up with fellows with we can collaborate in reaching a common goal or beating a common fool. Um, so this was important. In 1974, the Arnhem Chimpanzee Colony had already developed in a rather harmonious natural group. And when I see I say that, it doesn't mean that it is a society without conflicts. Of course, there were 26 animals in there, three adult males, a number of adult females, half grown ups, pubers, and there were rivalries, jealousies. They competed about uh, tools, about food and things like that. And we noticed that sometimes they would join up with others to beat a common enemy, which I had at moment. But on the whole, it was a harmonious group. It gradually developed into that. In 1974, Franz Wall completed his PhD and I had acquired funds to, um, to have a postdoc in my group for studying the chimpanzees. And Franzemal was the ideal researcher for that. And he proved to have the right feeling and the right observation uh, capacities and to do this. And he came at a moment when there were just about very interesting developments taking place in the group. From the time the three brethren had taken over the male clan in the group, one of these males, Jeroen, had been the dominant male. He was the alpha, and his two fellows in the male clan were, so to speak, his coalition partners, but also his rivals. But in the time that Franz started his observations, big changes were taking place. A second male started challenging the resident alpha male and challenged him. And what we saw was that the third male in the group joined up with the second male and they eventually defeated the alpha male. And the second male took over the alpha position and in his trail, the third male took over the second position and the former leading male became the third ranking male. Gosh, a complete rank reversal. As you see sometimes in society, in political parties, in whatever have you. And Franz came in right at this time and could follow this whole development. And the question was, of course, why was this powerful alpha male at the time? Jeroen was his name. Why had, was he toppled by these other two? And why did the other two join up to, 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 be, to beat him, in fact? And it was a, a period of quite some tension in the group. 
Now it turned out that nothing goes for nothing. I mean, everything must have its reward. So in the case of the third mill, you could wonder, why should the third mill support the second mill in beating, deplacing the alpha mill? Why hasn't he supported the alpha mill in maintaining power and remaining in the alpha position? Because the alpha mill was in fact a rather kind mill. Uh, the mills were all comparatively kind to the other members of the society after this initial period of tension that we had in the introduction period, but since then it became an harmonious group. Um, well, what Franz discovered is that in such a case, the one who joins the coalition has to ask, what's in it for me? Why should I join you? And why shouldn't I support the leading mill? Well, to cut a long story short, which the analysis of France showed is that the residing leading mill didn't offer the potential coalition partner sufficient freedom uh, in many respects, not as much as the rival mill did. In other words, the rival mill was rewarded with favors. Favors? Yes, in terms of tolerance, in terms of being allowed to join up with preferred females, a female analysis to mate with her, all that. Okay, I allow you because you are my mate. And that was the bargaining which took place. And we have since then found that such bargaining about power positions takes place not only in sympathy society, not only in human society, because that was what it amounted, but eventually also in baboon societies about which I shall talk on another occasion. We had a new leading mill. The, lead, the alpha mill had been placed in third position and the, the, the beta rose to the alpha position and the gamma rose to the beta position. And then we had another period of relative tranquility in the group. There were established rank relations until at a later moment, even the then ruling beta mill, the former Al Gamma, also uh, uh, beat up the then leading mill in a, uh, in a rather brutal fight in which uh, a new coalition was formed against the then ruling mill. Oh gosh, these were fascinating periods. And Franz Waal has described them in detail and analyzed them in his book, Chimpanzee Politics. In 1982, he published that book and it was an immediate bestseller worldwide, a great hit. Because it was in a time that 
there was an increased interest in uh, power politics and human society and how that goes, etc. And he showed that elementary principles can be found in primate societies um, of coalition formation. This book of Francois came at the right moment. It showed how in a chimpanzee society, power is a matter of bargaining. It's transactions, it's politics, giving and taking, taking and giving, allowing favors, etc. And also that in this bargaining that you have to dampen to reduce uh, the expression of power because you have to leave freedom to the others to, to develop themselves and to express themselves. And that this is an elementary aspect of human society, but also of animal society, which in the animals depend on one another for safety, because they form a defensive unit, they cooperate in finding food, and in many respects, and that means that you have to allow others their benefits and you can't take them from others without being punished in not getting services from these others. So it's a matter of giving and taking, quid pro quo, to put it in Latin, this for that. I'd say tit for that, and um, if I scratch your back, you'll scratch mine. Um, and our research in the chimpanzee, on the in the chimpanzee colony of Arnhem, in the following years, has been concentrating on that aspect. How do animals maintain a social structure of tolerance, of indeed finding an equilibrium between, on the one hand, the tendency, egoistic tendencies, to profit, to get the best out of things, and on the other hand, the tendency to give to others, to allow others freedom, etc. Give and take. That equilibrium that has to be maintained in a successful society. And the end of another wonderful story-filled podcast. Thank you so much, Professor Jan van Hoof. At Animal Concepts, we help you care for animals and for yourself, and of course, also support you in your other goals, such as conservation, education, and research. And everyone should have access to affordable, continued personal development. We want to do a big shout out, a huge thank you to all our current members. Animal Concepts is honored and delighted to support a global community who are connected together through three powerful platforms in one membership experience. And accessing simplified tools and practical resources has never been easier 
to our signature platforms, Practical Animal Welfare Science, which is all about animal well-being, One Care, which is all about human well-being, of course, in connection with animals, and of course, also the Earth Charter and the SDGs, together, well-being for everybody, peoples, animals, the greater community of life, and the planet. So if you feel inspired, follow the link in the podcast description today to become a member.